Chapter 14 How Wide a Gospel A pertinent question at this point is, how wide a gospel do we proclaim? Is indeed the good news for all of life? Is it customary for scholars, both Christian and non-Christian, to respond to this question with a nostalgic look at the unified worldview of the Middle Ages? That the Middle Ages, to a more limited extent, however, than usually realized, did possess a unified worldview, can be granted without altering the fact that such a unity can have little good news or gospel to it. By making the vision of God and the contemplative life the highest aim of life, by emphasizing the spiritual is godly and withdrawal from the world is holy, the Middle Ages, in a sense, surrendered the world to the devil. The world and matter were either to be tightly governed by spirit or to be renounced, or both. Sacerdotal celibacy was emblematic of the fact that the kingdom of God and the common life were incompatible. The kingdom had to be superimposed upon the world. It could govern the world, but it could not coincide with the world. The Reformation doctrines of justification by faith, the priesthood of all believers, and the Christian calling and vocation made possible the potential coincidence of the kingdom and the world as a historical objective, not, of course, to be fully realized in this life, but to be approximated and the proper goal of historical activity. Thus the Reformation was liberation and the promise of life, but a promise thus far unrealized. Why this failure? Even as Roman Catholicism has historically absorbed local deities at times as saints and absorbed local goddesses into the image of the Madonna, so Protestantism has followed a similar policy with regard to secularism. It has tried to make the world over into the kingdom by baptizing paganism and secularism, by sprinkling a few drops of approval and benediction over the heads of alien philosophies and presuppositions. It has operated on the principle of common ground rather than reconquered ground. It has borrowed its doctrines of education from the world, its political theory from the state, its concept of the law from Phariseeism, secularism, and Thomism. In the early 1930s, some New Deal economists asserted that the road to prosperity and wealth was through unlimited spending and debt. Similar reasoning seems to prevail in many Christian circles. The more we allow the world to prevail in the church, the stronger the church. The more we throw away our Christian presuppositions, the more strong our Christian strength and appeal, ostensibly. The gospel, apparently, is not big enough or wide enough to meet the world in its own strength. It must borrow Saul's armor. But as Van Til asserts, it is quite impossible to challenge the modern man with the gospel of Christ, unless this gospel of Christ be set in its widest possible setting. It is not our function to cater to modern man, but to challenge him, not to confirm or baptize him in his ways, but to convert him to the whole counsel of God. There is too little good news in much gospel preaching of today. One of the most prominent of modern fundamentalist preachers has declared, in defining the Christian mission as saving souls only, you don't polish brass on a sinking ship. Such a view is surely a surrender of the world to the devil, as anything the Middle Ages produced, and the growing impotence of such Christianity in its influence on the world scene is a natural consequence of its theology. It is easy for the high and mighty of the world, when it suits their purpose, to give their blessing to such evangelism. After all, it is productive of better citizens, and it leaves them unchallenged. 
modernism by baptizing secularism likewise fails. Its social gospel is established on vaguely Christian sentiment and sentimentality, not on clear-cut and Christian theistic presuppositions. As a result, it can only offer issues, never faith. It seeks to identify the kingdom with the world rather than to work for its coincidence. And too often, Calvinist thinking has followed alien traditions rather than its own heritage. Scholasticism seeks to superimpose a spiritual kingdom on an alien material world. Modernism too frequently identifies the world and the kingdom because it works on the presuppositions of the natural man. Fundamentalism makes the kingdom purely eschatological and stops the clock in terms of contemporary history. But the gospel is for all of life. The good news is precisely that the whole of life is restored and fulfilled through Jesus Christ, that, in the counsel of God, the kingdom is destined to triumph in every sphere of life. This gospel cannot be proclaimed and the dominion of the kingdom extended except on Christian presuppositions. The answer to the question, how wide a gospel do we have, is simply this, as wide as life and creation, as wide as time and eternity. It rests in the decree of the self-contained and autonomous God. It is a faith grounded on a truly systematic theology. The purpose of Van Til's work is precisely to set the gospel of Christ in its widest possible setting. The church will prosper in terms of such a theology, one in which we can speak of the triumph of God and the whole counsel of God. In such a theology is our strength and peace. For, as Calvin observed long ago, our security and God's omnipotence are equal, the former not being less than the latter.